This is James Schofield, the creator of the stories in Behind the Bottom Line. In Season 6, I'm taking you away from your everyday routine, and we're going to Venice with an exhausted young executive called Emily Lee, who badly needs a holiday. This is Episode 7, so let's hear what's happened so far. Emily's holiday in Venice has not been peaceful. Some headache tablets packed in Emily's suitcase by the masseuse Maria Torres from her yoga retreat turn out to contain ecstasy, causing Emily's friend Filippo to behave very strangely when he took one of them by mistake. The two of them have now gone to the police, where they find out something even more shocking. Maria's boyfriend has been found drowned in the lagoon, and Maria has disappeared. So, make yourself a cappuccino or mix an Aperol spritz and get ready to listen to Episode 7 of Peril in Venice. Chapter 13 On the Beach After this shock, it was Rosalba who had to bring Emily a cup of coffee. She put a shot of brandy in it from a bottle in her desk. Emily was grateful. They definitely didn't have that at Starbucks. It was probably an accident. The fisherman found a small boat floating upside down nearby. We went to Pacelli to tell Zotore Leone this morning. He was very upset. He told us that Maria Torres was missing too. Nobody has seen her or Paolo since after dinner yesterday evening. What's interesting is... He asked us to help search the island to see if she was there. We got some men over this afternoon and we went through every building, every rock, every bush in the place, nothing. And I have to tell you, I went down into that cellar myself and there's no equipment down there. It's completely empty. But isn't that strange, said Filippo. A cellar normally has things in it. Furniture, wine, old papers and letters. And this island has belonged to his family for centuries. Leonie could have many places to hide equipment if he was worried about any investigation. Did you find out where Leonie and Milos were last night? asked Emily. Yes, an American lady, Rosalba checked her notebook. Signora Van Mies played cards with both of them until about midnight. Our police doctor said he thought Paolo probably drowned at about 10 p.m. My guess is that after supper the two of them went for a little romantic trip in a boat. The boat went over and, well, that was it. I'm sorry for your friend, signorina. Her body was probably carried to another part of the lagoon by currents. Somebody will find her in the next day or two. No, said Emily. That's not possible. Maria would never go in a little boat. She was terrified of them. She couldn't swim. I have to go to the island and look for her. But wait, Emily, wait. If what you say is true, Leonie and Milas know who you are and you won't find out anything. I have an idea, but Rosalba and Oscar, I need your help. Filippo outlined his plan. Rosalba was not easy to persuade, but finally she agreed. It is possible he is using the hotel as a cover for laundering money from something else. 
but you are taking a risk, Filippo, you may end up in all sorts of trouble. The moment you get a call from me or from Oscar, bring your men onto the island, just don't be late, Rosalba. Unlike you. Rosalba, if this works, I will take you for a film and dinner. I promise. I couldn't afford that ten years ago. What about me? asked Emily. You want a film and dinner as well? No, idiot. What am I supposed to do while you're on Pacelli? Stay in Venice, signorina. If Leone sees you with Filippo or Oscar, this plan will never work. And it could be dangerous. If somebody killed Paolo, they could do it again. Go sightseeing. Emily wasn't really sure that she wanted to do any more walking around Venice. Filippo's tour was still fresh in her mind. But by the next morning, Filippo and Oscar had both gone to Pacelli. Oscar had contacted Leone and said he had heard they needed a chef and asked if he would be interested in talking to him, while Filippo had signed on as a new guest under a false name. Before she went out, she telephoned Dottie, and after discussing the death of Paolo and the disappearance of Maria, they arranged to meet in Venice for dinner the next day. Do you mind coming over here, Dottie? I couldn't face seeing everybody at the centre when nobody knows where Maria is. Of course not. And anyway, who knows what we'll have to eat here? Caliban says he's interviewing somebody today but I can't imagine he'll be as good as poor Paolo. Emily didn't say anything about Oscar. How will you come over here, Dotty? Oh, Milos can bring me. He's freaky, but he does have a beautiful body. Are you sure, Dotty? Why don't you take a water taxi? asked Emily anxiously. Darling, you can't be serious. The taxi drivers are so horrible to look at. Well, it would be lovely to see you. I was supposed to go out with Maria tomorrow evening. We were going to look for a place where she could start a restaurant with Paolo, and I brought back a small cosmetic bag of hers from the island by mistake. I wanted to give it back. Really? What was in it? Oh, just some makeup and a mobile phone. I'll show you when we have dinner if you like. Emily decided not to mention the ecstasy tablets. It would be unfair to Maria. Good idea. Will we be on our own then? What about your friend, uh, what was his name, Filippo? Uh, he had to go back to Germany early, some business problem. She liked her, but Emily knew that keeping a secret was not one of Dottie's strengths. Emily thought about visiting some of the museums and churches her guidebooks told her about. There were so many things to see, it was difficult to know where to start. So she decided to go shopping instead. Her first stop was a glove shop. Never in her life had she seen so many beautiful things to put on her hands. Originally, she planned on buying one pair of brown gloves for her sister. But she finished with six pairs in red, lime green, turquoise, pink, baby blue and cream for herself and some in orange for her sister. She wandered through the tiny streets, and without trying hard, managed to buy a bikini, sun hat, towel, 
and sunglasses for the beach, two pairs of glass earrings and some beautiful writing paper. She even found a shop with the same handbag decorated with pugs that Dottie had. She stared at it in the window, wanting it, but vaguely worried that it would look odd having the same bag as her friend. She thought about it, and five minutes later was happily transferring her credit cards, money, makeup, tissues, sunglasses, case, nail file, and half a dozen other things into the new pug bag. With a pleasant feeling she had spent quite a lot of money, she went back to the hotel, had lunch, and then caught the number one Vaporetto to the Venice Lido. She felt her new bikini deserved a good venue for its first visit to the beach, so she rented herself a small but expensive hut at the Hotel des Bains for the afternoon. She swam, lay in the sun, tried to read Vogue in Italian, then put it down to do some people-watching. Italians, she decided, were not great swimmers. They mostly liked to walk up and down the beach in small groups chatting. The young ones flirted with each other, and the old ones talked and sometimes bent down to pick up live shellfish from the beach and put them in a bag to take home to make spaghetti alle vongole. Two men walking along close to the sea, deep in conversation, attracted her attention. One of them was in a black suit, which looked out of place on the beach. As they turned towards her to walk up past the beach huts towards the hotel, Emily froze and then pulled her hat down to hide her face. The black suit's companion was Milos. Chapter 14 Under Pressure If Emily had been with Filippo and Oscar across the other side of the lagoon on Pacelli earlier that morning, she might have understood what Milos was now doing on the Lido. Oscar had arrived first and had quickly been given a job by Leone, who by now was desperate for a cook. Filippo had arrived about an hour later and had checked into the centre using a Swiss-German name, Philipp Mertli. Filippo was shocked when he saw Leone. From Emily's description, he had imagined somebody very calm and in control. But the man Filippo met at the quay was pale with dark rings under his eyes, alcohol on his breath and with shaky hands. As soon as they were seated together on cushions in the meditation hall opposite each other, Filippo leant forward and put one of the tablets that Emily had found in the cosmetic bag on the floor in front of him. Dottor Leone, I'll come straight to the point. I represent some business interests in Switzerland and Germany. We are involved in the entertainment business, clubs, bars, that sort of thing. My associates and I understand that you currently have a logistics problem caused by the unfortunate death of Jason Tucker. I'm afraid I don't understand what you mean, Signor Mertley. Let me put it this way. We bought from Mr. Tucker certain 
high quality products, which I believe you manufactured, we would like to buy directly from you. Now that the middleman has uh, uh, gone out of business. Filippo laughed at his little joke. Leone did not. There must be some misunderstanding here. I run yoga and meditation courses and look after my guests on the island. Filippo picked up the tablet. And these? What is it? A, a painkiller? Filippo smiled. Yes, you could say so. Listen, I understand. You need to check me out. So, why don't you get in touch with this man? Maybe you have heard of him? He handed Leone a piece of paper with a name which Rosalba had given him. It was a contact she had to the drug scene who would confirm what Filippo said. Dr. Leone, I'm going to spend a little time relaxing on this beautiful place you have here while you think about my proposal. Let me know if you want to do business. Filippo got up and walked out of the room. Outside the door, he passed a surprised-looking Milos, who had not expected the interview to be over after only five minutes. He walked over the island to the small hill which Emily had told him about, and sat there looking at the sea and waiting. After about an hour, he saw Milos go down to the quay, untie the motor launch, and head across the lagoon towards the Lido. Filippo walked down to the sea and swam, then lay for a while in the sun. It might not be quite the holiday he had imagined, but it was definitely becoming very interesting. At lunchtime he was introduced to the other guests. The atmosphere was not cheerful. The death of Paolo and the disappearance of Maria had upset everybody, so although Oscar's food was excellent, the meal ended quickly with nobody talking very much apart from Dottie, of course. Filippo was not sure he shared Emily's liking for Dottie, and her green lipstick seemed extremely peculiar. But he was pleasant to her and pretended to listen. Sergei sat himself next to Filippo, and after lunch the two of them wandered over the island. Sergei knew a lot about the history of Venice, and the islands of the lagoon. Smugglers! That's what Leone's family were. They made themselves rich over many centuries with smuggling. It was spices in the 15th century, then brandy and guns in Napoleon's time, and maybe people during the Second World War, who knows? But from here you can sail boats into the Adriatic, and, believe me, the Leone family were always good sailors. You come, you go... Nobody knows what you're carrying in your boat. But where did they hide the things they smuggled? Oh, there are caves here. You see them when you row around the island. Like to see? Together, the two men took a boat out. As Sergei had said, there were several places which looked like entrances into the rock. It was a smuggler's paradise. 
Leone's equipment, and, maybe, Maria if she was still alive, could be there. They went back and Filippo showered before getting dressed for dinner. He put on his jacket, put his hand in his pocket, and found a piece of folded paper. He read it and smiled. Leone would meet him to discuss business possibilities the following evening. So that's the end of today's episode. And this was a special episode. I recorded it in the beautiful spa town of Bad Ems, which I have been visiting this weekend. Bad Ems was a very famous spa town in the 19th century, made popular and fashionable by Alexander II, the Tsar of Russia in the 1880s, but also visited by all sorts of other people, including Dostoevsky, uh, Gogol. So it's plainly the spa of choice for literary types, including now, of course, James Schofield. If you are enjoying Peril in Venice, then please tell your friends about it and tell them about Behind the Bottom Line, because word of mouth, as I like to tell you, is the best way for more people to find out about what I do. And it would also be great if you could visit my website on www.behindthebottomline.com and leave a review there. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Remember, if you do leave me a review, then I will send you a free copy of Peril in Venice. You just have to contact me and tell me where you live and I'll pop it in the post wherever you are in the world. Um, and uh, if you don't, if you'd like to read it, but you don't want to write a review, that's also fine. Uh, you can go to the bookshop on my website and order either the paperback or ebook version. And you can also order a copy of Double Trouble, the story that featured in season five. And remember, that's all on my website on www.behindthebottomline.com. In next week's episode, episode 8, Emily gets a nasty fright and Filippo and Leone have an interesting conversation. So, until then, take care and goodbye.